Tonight's reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 25 through 33. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you almost must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is the word of the Lord. So we're continuing in the book of Ephesians tonight, and when I planned out the sermon series for the year, sometimes, uh, I think the past two years, I did kind of a Christmas-themed sermon series around this year. So we took a break and focused on, on Jesus and the Christmas season for about the month of December. But this year, I thought, let's just continue in the book of Ephesians all the way up to Christmas. And then Monday night, uh, the Easter, uh, the Christmas Eve service, I keep, I keep saying that. I don't know why. I guess I'm already at Easter. Um, uh, we're going to have a little bit different. It's going to be lessons and uh, carols. Uh, and they'll be a little bit more topical and themed. Uh, but what that has done is made a very interesting uh, kind of weeks leading up to Christmas, the topics that we've been talking about. So l- preach it uh, back there. It's my son. Uh, so this week we're finishing kind of part two of a sermon series on marriage. Last week we talked about uh, the wife's calling in marriage, in a Christian marriage. And if you didn't hear that and you're coming in on part two tonight, uh, that's okay, but I hope that you would actually go back and go to our website, cornerstonewestford.com, and you can listen to last week's sermon uh, so that you get the other half the story. I think they make a lot more sense when they're uh, together. Uh, and I think it, you can be a wife, you can be a, a husband, you can be single. I think it still can be an encouragement, uh, either for your marriage or how you can be helping other people in their marriages. And if you're single and maybe one day God calls you into marriage, great, uh, then you're already prepared. Uh, I do want to make a couple of remarks uh, up front for this sermon. Uh, the first uh, is, like last week, uh, I'm just trying to teach what the Bible says about marriage. So this isn't Jonathan saying, oh, here's, here's how Jonathan envisions kind of marriage to be. This is what we believe is God's plan for marriage. That God has given us his design and his special intention for marriage in the words of the Bible. And so if God created us, then he knows how things work best. And so we want to honor his plan. And second, uh, although I've been married six and a half years, I am a slow learner. (laughs) I have not arrived. I am not a perfect husband. Just ask Monica. She would be happy to tell you. I haven't figured it out, but this is a journey. This is a marriage journey. I think the same is true for other husbands and other wives. 
this is a journey, and we're all kind of learning what it means to be married according to God's plans together. So hopefully this will help you on your journey, wherever you are. Let me pray, and we'll begin. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this opportunity to examine your plan for marriage. Uh, We want to love you. We want to love and care for each other, especially our spouses, in the best way possible. We want our marriages to be according to your plan and to reflect Jesus' love for the church. We're going to talk about that tonight. Help our marriages do just that. Help us hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I, I wanted to start today by talking about a really holy and important subject, CrossFit. Now, some of you know that I like to do CrossFit. Uh, it's, it's one of those things, it's like one of those things that, you know, when you meet someone and they, they're, they're excited to tell you like, this part about their life, that's CrossFit for you. Uh, but I actually think I have like a legitimate illustration for tonight's sermon uh, about CrossFit. So in CrossFit, we do these things called workout of the day, right? Uh, short, you can call it WAD for short if you want to be cool. And every day, they have the workout of the day mapped out for us. And uh, there are, so the workouts vary, but there are two levels of weights listed in the workout. There's a weight for the men, and there's a weight for the women. Same workout, different weights. Uh, For example, on Friday, the men and women, they both had to do something called deadlifts. Now, I don't know if you know what a deadlift is. I'm not going to illustrate it. I'm just going to kind of describe you. Pick up a weight from the ground to your, to your thighs, and then you put it back. And you pick it up. You put it down. You pick it up. That's kind of what a deadlift is, and you add a lot of weight. Usually you can lift the most weight at, at this, in this movement. And so the women, as part of their workout, they had to deadlift 155 pounds. That's a lot of weight. 155 pounds, and they had to do it a bunch of times, 55 times total. And the men had to deadlift 225 pounds. They also had to do it 55 times total. So that's a lot, right? 155, 225. Now, why am I telling you this just outside of my pride? Uh, An obvious reason besides CrossFit being amazing, it's because... A biological reality reflects a spiritual reality. That God created men and women in a certain way. He created us with different capacities in marriage. See, both men and women, both husbands and wives, are called to lift a lot of weight. They're called to do a lot of work. They're both called to work incredibly hard and to give 110% in the marriage. And yet God has called husbands to lift more. See, if you look at our passage today, last week we talked about verses 22 through 24. That's the the verses to wives. That's three verses. There's a lot there. But then if you get to the husband's section, it's nine verses, verses 25 through 33. I think this is sometimes because husbands like myself can be slow learners, so we need a little bit extra explanation but also because there's more that God requires of us. God requires more weight 
more weight, a heavier role in marriage. God calls wives, and you can listen to last week's sermon to understand what this means, but God calls wives to submit to their husbands in the marriage. That's a heavy task. That is a hard task. And he calls husbands, as we're going to see today, to lay down their lives for their wives. To lay down their lives in marriage, this is nearly an impossible task. Both are heavy, but God calls husbands to just a little bit more. And so I want to introduce our first point in verses 25 through 27, and that's this, that husbands love your wives completely sacrificially. Husbands love your wives completely sacrificially. I want to read verse 25 again so you can look down at your Bibles. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, this, this word for love is the Greek verb agapeo, agapeo. Now, this is different than the Greek word eros. Eros has more to do with sensuality and sexuality. That's a different kind of love. Agapeo can include that kind of love, but it's not primarily driven for that. It has a different motivator. And we just watched this video by the Bible Project. If you've never seen the Bible Project before, please check out their videos. They have explanations of each book of the Bible. So if you're reading the Bible, it's a great way to get into it. But what did they say? What was kind of their point about this Greek word agape? That's actually the noun form. Their big point is that agape love refers to a way of treating people that was defined by Jesus himself, seeking the well-being of others regardless of their response. So Paul is likewise calling husbands to have this kind of self-sacrificial giving love for their wives regardless of their wives' response. And Paul gives an example He says we are actually just following Jesus' love for his bride, the church. Husbands are to lay down their lives for their brides at a cost to ourselves, just like Jesus laid down his life on the cross as a cost to himself. So here's the call, and it's kind of a, a steep call. Come and die with Jesus, husbands. Come and die with Jesus. As the pastor, who's also a martyr, uh, martyr during World War II, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, said to all believers, men and women, he said, when, a, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Now, like Christ sacrificed himself for believers, for the church, we as husbands are to lay down our lives as a living sacrifice. Maybe some of you have read this passage before in Romans chapter 12. This is Paul again writing in a different book. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, Romans is a general call to all Christians, male, female, husband, wives, children, adults. But Paul, when he writes in Ephesians, he gives a special call to husbands. He says, husbands, you are especially called to live lives of sacrifice, to love your wife unconditionally. Now, if we look at Jesus, what did he do? 
On the cross, he died for his followers, for the church, for anyone that would put their faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people. Like, I, I'm part of the church, and I know you're part of the church, and, and we're broken. <laughs> we're broken people. We're sinful people. We're forgiven people, but we're imperfect people. We hurt each other, and we, we love each other, but we hurt each other, and there's wounds, and there's sin. And oftentimes, we express that towards God. See, Jesus has every right not to lay down his life for us. He had every right to say they are too dirty, too sinful, too broken to hell with them. But what did Jesus say? He said, I'm going to lay down my life for my sheep, for my church, for my bride. And so that, that becomes this beautiful living example of the kind of love that husbands are called to have. Your wife is not perfect. Your spouse is sinful and broken too, just like you. And what does Jesus call you to do? To lay down your life and to just love them, to agapeo them, to love them unconditionally, sacrificially. Now maybe if you're a husband or you're going to be a husband one day or you're hoping to be a husband one day, you were listening last week in the sermon to wives and it's a, it's a challenging call, last week's passage, but maybe as you were listening, you heard, you know, wives are supposed to submit to your husbands, and husbands are to be the head of the household, and you thought, wow, man, I get to be the leader of the family. <laughs> How cool is that? Well, you actually are right. You do get to be the leader, but what does Jesus ask you to lead in? <laughs> How does Jesus ask you to lead he asks you to sacrifice the most, <laughs> to be the lead sacrificer, to be the, the, the one who leads as you lower yourself and as you humble yourself. Gary Thomas wrote a book called Sacred Marriage. If you want to learn more about marriage, it's a great book to read, whether you're single or married, Sacred Marriage. And he says this in it. He says the very def definition of the word sacrifice means that sacrifice isn't sacrifice unless it costs us something. So men, it's a fair question for you to ask. How have I loved my wife in the past two or three weeks in such a way that it has cost me something, vocationally, financially, and with my hobbies, time, or comfort? So I think for all the husbands in the room, and myself included, we should ask ourselves this. How have I sacrificed last couple weeks, to love my wife. And maybe you, uh, you can think of some things. Or maybe later tonight you go home and your wife tells you, hey, thanks for sacrificing for me in these couple ways, these last couple weeks. Well, praise God, keep it up, keep the good work up. And maybe you go home or write down and you're thinking, wow, I haven't been very sacrificial. Well, the good news of Jesus Christ is that he just offers forgiveness. You just confess it, say, Jesus, I haven't done a, a good job of sacrificing like you Help me to sacrifice. Help me to lay down my life every day for my bride. See, we're, we're bid to come and die. <laughs> All believers are bid to come and die, to, to come to the cross. But as husbands, we're to get to the cross first. <laughs> we're to go there first and lead the way. So husbands, you carry a heavy weight in marriage. You have to sacrifice the most. 
But there's a purpose behind this. There's a goal. There is an aim. And so what is the goal of husbands laying down their lives like this? Well, Paul actually lays it out for us in verses 25 through 27. So you can look back at your Bibles and we'll read through verses 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. So this leads me to kind of my, my next sub-point is that our highest goal, your highest goal as your wife's husband is her holiness. Your highest goal is her holiness. Why did Jesus lay down his life for his bride on the cross? What was his purpose? What was his aim? To make her holy, to cleanse her, to wash her, to forgive her of her sins. To present before himself one day, at the end of days, a pure and spotless bride. To spend eternity with the perfect bride, the church, all believers from all times and places. So husbands, why do we lay down our lives? Because we want our wives and we ourselves want to grow in holiness. To be holy means to be right before God. And if you want like a, a living image of someone who is holy, you look at Jesus. And so to become more holy means we just become more like Christ in our everyday lives. Husbands, you want your wife to be more like Jesus. <laughs> your wife needs you to be more like Jesus. So there's a temptation, I think, for husbands to not prioritize holiness. To say, my ultimate goal in this marriage is actually happiness. Happiness comes first. And really, that's just selfishness, right? Because if we're prioritizing their happiness, then really, we're happy. <laughs> They're happy, we're happy. It's about us at the end of the day. It's actually not about them. As husbands, we need to be willing to sacrifice our own happiness and even our wife's happiness to address sin. Sin in their lives and sin in our own lives. It's so much easier to take the easy route and to never address sin. But that's not of Jesus. Jesus calls us to lay our own happiness down and to seek our spouse's holiness. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get uncomfortable. I don't want to have the hard conversations, but Jesus calls us to this. And there's just, there's just this, this, this interesting thing that if we prioritize their happiness at the expense of their holiness, in the long run, that's going to lead to unhappiness. <laughs> but if you prioritize holiness in the long term, that will lead to happiness, to true and lasting and actually eternal happiness. Holiness leads to that, to joy, to peace, to harmony in the home and in the family and in the marriage relationship. 
Now, holiness goes beyond just addressing sin, right? That's kind of the first stage of cultivating holiness because we need to repent. But there's another stage that our passage really talks about, the washing with water through the word. See, that, that Greek word for word, rhema, is in Romans, and it speaks about Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. This is not the Greek word logos, this is the Greek word rhema, but it still means the message of Jesus Christ. God calls us as husbands to wash our wives, and I think this includes our whole families, in the word of God, the message about Jesus Christ. And so ask yourself, This week, what is one way I can cultivate my family's holiness, my wife's holiness, and even my holiness by washing them in the water of the word? Maybe over dinner, we can stop and practice the foundation verse. Next week, it's the final week in the foundation verse, and you want to be ready, and so just review it and talk about it. What does the word Messiah mean? Explain that. How about... Sharing what you're learning in your personal times of devotion and prayer with the Lord. If you're reading the Bible or you're listening to a sermon, just sharing what you're learning with your family, with your, with your children. How about having a time of family devotions, right? Many of us are going to be out of school this week. And so maybe take time in the morning or in the evening to read the Bible together as a family in prayer. It doesn't have to be long, but it should be a special moment. How about Christmas morning, instead of rushing to open gifts, just pause and say, hey, let's read through the Christmas story first, and let's just take a moment and focus on what it's really all about, and then you can go crazy and open up all your presents, but at first, let's read the story of the birth of Jesus. The holidays can be a stressful time, Uh, elbows are going to be bumped, and and people are going to hurt each other, and there's going to be moments where, where we need reconciliation and forgiveness and healing, and how about bringing Jesus into that? Not make it, oh, I'm sorry, but hey, I forgive you, you forgive me because of Christ Jesus. This is how we can practically day by day, and, I, and I'm not <laughs> giving you this list as things that I'm all doing, like this is a, a list that I need to do. How about we just try to do this? We try to wash our families in the word, wash our wives in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your highest goal is her holiness in marriage. Husbands, love your wives completely sacrificially. I think you might like this next point a little bit more. And that's this. Husbands, love your wives completely selfishly. (laughs) Husbands, Love your wives completely selfishly. Now, this is pretty exciting, right? Like, okay, we kind of got the hard part out of the way, and now we can just focus on ourselves and make the marriage about meeting our needs and us being happy, right? Well, no. (laughs) What do I mean by love your wives completely selfishly? You can see what I mean in the next couple verses. Verse 28 says this. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So here's the point. Care for her, 
like you care for yourself. Care for her like you care for yourself. Paul isn't saying, well, if, you're, if, you, if you care for yourself poorly, then that's easy, then you can treat her poorly. No, he's saying treat her well. Treat her better than you, than you treat yourself. Treat her at least as well as you treat yourself. Like, I think most husbands, most men aren't going to uh, treat themselves poorly. They're going to take the time to, to, to take care of their needs and their wants. I think the ESV has an interesting translation because it, it really says, a husband should nourish or cherish his wife. Aren't those words that we as men use like all the time to describe ourselves? I'm just a nourishing husband. <laughs> I'm a husband who likes to cherish his wife. No, these are not words that we use all the time to describe ourselves. In fact, the word cherish in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 describes a nursing mother caring for her children cherishing her children. I like this because it's like Paul is saying, husbands, man up and and be a mom to your wife. Man up and be maternal. Husbands, cherish your wives. Be attentive to her every need. Really focus on her. Take care of her needs. Be completely selfish for her. Not for yourself. I wanted to kind of give you an example of, of, of someone doing this in their own life. And so I'm actually going to read again from uh, Gary Thomas's book. I think it's a good example. It's from the, the Sacred Marriage book. Uh, and just, it's a little long, so just listen to it. Um, and, and here we go. Four-time All-Pro NFL linebacker Chris Spielman had played football for 26 of his 33 years. He met his wife, Stephanie, in 1983 when he was just 17 years old. They were married six years later, and the two embarked on a rich marriage. Spielman played for many years with the Detroit Lions and then signed with the Buffalo Bills in 1996. The year 1997 came with a fistful of trials. In July, just as preseason camp was getting started, a doctor spoke the grave diagnosis breast cancer. Stephanie opted for a mastectomy mastectomy, to be followed by six weeks of chemotherapy, a time period during which she would lose all her hair. The Spielmans had two small children under the age of five, and Chris knew the chemo treatments would drain his wife's energy. He had a decision to make. It was my test, Chris said in a magazine article. It was my defining moment. In a show of solidarity, Chris shaved his head. Even more important, he quit football. Not forever, but just for a year until Stephanie was back on her feet. If you're not a football fan, you may not realize the astounding sacrifice this act represented. The average career span of an NFL linebacker is less than three years. The fact that Chris took an entire season off left him with no guarantee he'd ever get back to doing what he loved so much, playing football. Stephanie always supported me 100%, Chris explained. I had to offer it back. Instead of watching game film and meeting with the coaches, Chris woke up early to feed the kids. He learned that his oldest hated to have any of the food on her plate touch any other food. And then he got to Stephanie. He got her up an hour or so later and served her breakfast. He then did the laundry, took the kids to their gymnastic lessons, and made sure Stephanie got her medication. Clearly, Chris had learned the meaning of sacrificial giving to his wife. 
Somehow he learned to live out what Paul urges husbands to strive towards in Ephesians 5.25, loving their wives just as Christ loved the church. And he explains quite explicitly how Christ loved the church by giving up his life for her. Husbands were called to be completely selfish for her, for our wives. Care for her like you care for yourself. And next, care for her by prioritizing her above others. Verse 31 says this. It says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I don't want to miss several key points here in this passage. Paul is quoting Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. That means he is quoting the opening chapters of the Bible, kind of the foundational chapters, just as creation is unfolding. And so Paul is laying down a model. He's, he's affirming that the model of marriage created in Genesis chapter 2 is the same model that still is established in the New Testament, and that means it still applies to us today. And what is this model? It means that God designed marriage to be between a man and a woman, a husband and wife. There's something unique about how they biologically and emotionally and spiritually come together. And if there's this one flesh union, that flesh union should never be torn apart. It should be until the end of their life. But I think there's something special in verse 31 for husbands that I wanted to point out. And I actually really like the KJV uh, uh, version of this. I don't think I've ever quoted the KJV, but... Uh, in a sermon before, but it says this, Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God calls husbands to prioritize their wives over and above their family of origin. Husbands, you are called to separate your dependency from your father from your mother, and cleave to your wife. Leave and cleave. To cleave means to stick to something. Husbands, you cannot be both stuck to your father or to your mother and your wife. You have to leave your parents and cleave to your spouse. You cannot treat your father and your mother as equally as you treat your spouse, your wife. You must treat her more importantly than them. This is a, 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 an important call for husbands. See, part of being the head of a household is forming a new household. And so husbands leave and cleave. Now why do we do all of this? Why do we sacrifice? Why do we uh, kind of be selfish as we prioritize them? Why do we do all of this? Well, Jesus, all throughout our passage, has been talking about, uh, or Paul has been talking about Jesus. He's been talking about Christ and the church. Last week, I don't think we focused on it enough. And so I wanted to take a little time and focus on Christ and marriage, Christ and the church. Ephesians 5.23, which we, led, which we read last week, says, Christ is the head of the church, his body. 
Paul repeats himself again in verses 29 and 30. He says that Christ cares for the church, for we are members of his body. He uses the same illustration twice. Talks about the church being the body of Christ. That's really significant. That means that, that we are spiritually united with Christ Jesus. And if, you're, if your bride, if your wife knows Christ Jesus, she is the body of Christ Jesus within the church, like within the family of God, but she is a part of the body. So if you want to love Jesus today, that is not purely just an act of spiritual devotion. <laughs> that is not just, oh, I got my prayer time and my Bible time in. Okay, did you love your wife today? Because if you're loving your wife, you're loving the body of Christ Jesus. You're loving Jesus himself by loving your wife. It's actually a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual pursuit to love your wife, to love your bride. When she loves you, she's loving Christ's body too. Love her so as to love Jesus. Here's kind of the point that I'm making. A Christ Centered marriage illustrates a greater reality. Verse 32 says this. It says, this is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Verse 33 is kind of a conclusion to both the roles of husbands and wives within marriage, but verse 32 is really special. (laughs) Listen to just like a a little bit uh, from John Piper on this. He pointed out that marriage, like when Paul was writing Ephesians, when he was writing about marriage, he didn't say, okay, I want to think of like a beautiful illustration of marriage. Oh, yeah, Jesus and the church. That's, like, that's kind of like marriage, right? It's actually the exact opposite. <laughs> See, marriage between a husband and a wife, that reflects the greater reality. <laughs> God designed and planned that union between Christ and his bride, the church, you and me, any who would trust in Jesus and, and know him and be a part of the people of God. God designed that first. And then marriage is is kind of like this dim shadow of that greater thing. Marriage is is like a black and white photo of like the Sistine Chapel. (laughs) And the Sistine Chapel is like this beautiful, uh, magnificent, like profound uh, piece of art that just overwhelms you. And that's Christ in the church. (laughs) We're the little black and white photo. See, Christ Jesus, through God's plan, determined to love us, his bride, long before like, Adam and Eve ever came on the scene, long before the church, long before the Bible even was written. Ephesians 1.4 says this. This was earlier in our sermon series. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. The he it's talking about is the Father. 
The father chose the church to be the son's bride, an arranged marriage. And the whole story of the Bible is the story of like a bride gone bad, (laughs) a bride who, who ran away from the altar and entered into a life of sin. And instead of saying, I'm done with that bride, I'm out of here, the story of the Bible is Jesus going after the bride. Jesus going to pay the penalty for her sins and her brokenness. Jesus going to make her beautiful and doing whatever it takes to make her sacred. So as husbands, when we love our wives, we're trying to reflect that greater image. We can't rescue our brides from their sins. I can't rescue my wife from her sins. I can't rescue myself from my sins, but Jesus can. And so our our primary role as husbands is to follow Jesus and to help our brides follow him too, to point time and time again to the one who can cleanse our brides and who can make them new and who can make us new and cleanse us and make us into this, this, this beautiful creation, his bride, the church. Husbands, Love your wives like Jesus. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for this call to husbands. God, if there's anyone in here who has heard this message and is convicted, because they've fallen short, and hopefully that's all of us, Would you forgive us? Just forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of of not sacrificing daily for our, our brides, for our spouses. Just forgive us and make us new. Jesus, give us a greater vision, a greater hope of what marriage can look like. We look forward to being your bride one day. Please bless the offering as we go into the rest of the service. In Jesus' name, amen.